Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I wish refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. We use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers is one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution and we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Men, yesterday we had a barn burner with uh, our dear brother, Scott Bradley. FreedomsRisingSun.com is his website to preserve the nation, his collegiate series, and lifelong Goal. I share that goal with him, by the way. We talked a little bit about Donald Trump. He says, my plan to take down the cartels, the cartels. He has a uh, battle plan or a war plan to stop the drug cartels. And you know what? I'm glad that he's talking about that because that's something that's really of great concern on the border. It's one thing to talk about illegals coming into America, and that's bad enough because it's against the law. Uh, but it's another thing to talk about the drug cartels and the trafficking of drugs and children and stuff. It's really even difficult to discuss. It's so heinous, hostile, and abusive. So I commend President Trump for bringing that up. But I would say, you know, we sure didn't hear a lot about that in the first presidential <laughs> stint he had in the White House. Uh, sure, he wanted to build a wall, and he talked about the wall on the border and all that, and that's good. Uh, but it's not good enough. You know, why didn't he work hard getting rid of the cartels? You know, Tim Ballard, a friend of mine, and others who operate uh, Operation Underground Railroad, helping children get out of uh, child slavery and child sex trafficking and everything else. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys that should be surrounding President Trump on this. And the sad part about Donald Trump is, you know what, his instincts are pretty good. The things he says are right on. The problem is his follow-through is a, a, a difficult thing. The problem is he surrounds himself with the bad guys, and then they undermine his instincts, his knowledge, and the good guys trying to help him. That, that seems to be sadly the truth. You remember our, our friend Patrick? Uh, he's the guy that runs Overstock, right? Uh, told us he got to Trump and told Trump about the scandalous voting machines, and Trump should have dug into it, but Giuliani talked him out of it. <laughs> so that's kind of the problem. All right, we talked about Ron Paul, who says, tell your representatives to defund the TSA. Well, amen to that. One of the only ways we're going to be able to handle not raising the debt ceiling, Republicans, is to reduce spending and cut, shut down unconstitutional government programs. And by golly, I can give you a list of three-letter swear words. I mean government entities, acronyms of things we should abolish, right? Uh, try NPR, National Public Radio. <laughs> Try the DHS, as we mentioned, the Department of Homeland Security. Try the TSA and the 
you know, EPA and the IRS and the CIA, and I, mean, I could keep going, the education department, and wow, we got a rich environment. I'd like to see them just shut down a few government entities that are unconstitutional and, frankly, unnecessary, like the energy department. We've had that since the 70s when they argued about oil for so long. Oh, my gosh, we're running out of oil. You know what, 40-plus years, 50 years later, we're not running out of oil, folks. They're not even making that claim right now. They're just telling you that oil's bad because it harms your environment. Okay, but they're not telling you they don't have oil like they lied to you and said in the 70s. But they created the Energy Department. I think it was in 77 out of that. And the Energy Department's done nothing but wreak havoc on us ever since. And now they want to ban your gas stove. Dear Joe, please don't let us freeze on October 27th. That's what the CEO of New England's largest energy company basically said. Um, Joe Mullen is the guy's name. He sent a desperate letter to the White House. He then begged Joe Biden to please use the federal government's, quote, emergency powers to make sure that natural gas will be available in New England this winter. How does Joe make sure natural gas is available? He doesn't. He doesn't have emergency powers. Where in the Constitution does it talk about granting the president emergency powers over oil and gas? See, this New England executive is off his rock absolutely crazy. And, but the sad part is George Santos still has the backing of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. They're not going to get rid of this criminal that literally committed election fraud to get elected. They're not. And I wish they were. And it really gives me disappointments for McCarthy. The only thing I can say is maybe he's expending his political, cap- political capital on something else. But you know what? When you claim election fraud, election fraud, election fraud, uh, and then you uh, have one of your guys commit election fraud and become one of the members in your ranks and you don't do anything about it, wow, talk about being guilty as sin, huh? We then had our guest Stephen Kovac with myself and Dr. Scott Bradley. He's a national news reporter with TheEpicTimes.com, and he doubled down and highlighted how much criminal activity is going on with regards to elections. In October 2022, for example, uh, Colorado Secretary of State's office literally emailed over 31,000 voter registration um, instruction cards to illegals and non-citizens. They claimed there was a computer glitch. Fine, let's just jettison the computers when it comes to elections so we don't have any more glitches. 150,000 votes in the 2020 election were not tied to valid addresses in Wisconsin. 150,000. Wisconsin special counsel, for example, finds that Mark Zuckerberg money violated state bribery laws. Is somebody going to go to prison? Facts matter, they say. Roman Mel... uh, Belmakov with the New York or with the Epic Times has that story. The special counsel who was appointed to study the 2020 election in Wisconsin submitted his official report in which he documents and determines that you know what? Millions of dollars that Mark Zuckerberg spent on the Wisconsin election cycle violated states' laws in regards to bribery. Multiple other issues came up as well, the special counsel found. They say that it included what's called unconstitutional drop boxes, ballot boxes, illegal directives, 
from the Elections Commission in regard to, quote, nursing homes, not to mention problems with the voter rolls themselves. If you want evidence of election fraud, there you have it. Now, Kevin McCarthy signaled to reporters that he would expunge one or both of President Trump's impeachments, according to The Hill. And I appreciate that. You're trying to clear Trump's name, Kevin. But I think there's a lot more important things to work on. Uh, And, you know, um, just because you can overturn it, expunge it, does that really make it not so? Or if we study history, was he impeached and then in a partisan move, just as partisan as impeaching Donald was, you unimpeach him? I don't want history just to play games with partisan politics. We've already gotten into enough trouble because of that, Kevin. We talked about a all-Muslim city council, and it's a, in a Detroit suburb, and I don't even know how to say this term, hand trump? Anyway, they approved animal sacrifices at home now. Jack Davis, the Epic Times of that piece, literally in a suburb of Detroit now, you can literally uh, create animal sacrifices on your property. So in some places, you don't even dare kick a dog, the animal rights folks, and your government will you know, have your head. But in this place, you can literally sacrifice animals out in the open. No problem. Joe Rogan calls out leftist billionaire George Soros. He says he wants these cities to fall apart. He wants crime to flourish. We all know George Soros has been at that for a long time. Joe, I'm glad you're getting caught up for a change, my friend. You've been one of the top talkers in the nation, and you haven't even known that till now? Wow, you're behind the curve, my friend. You got to listen to Liberty Roundtable live a little more, sir. All right, 98% of CEOs are now participating or anticipating that America will have a recession. Wow, I'm really caught, I'm glad they're caught up on that for sure. We also talked about several Illinois sheriffs will not enforce the state's recently passed gun law. They claim it violates the Second Amendment. Wow, good for these sheriffs. And this is totally blown up. Uh, We're going to skip the break, Lizzie, if we can, please. Uh, This sheriff situation is blowing up big time. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, The the state of Illinois has decided to ban a bunch of guns like they did at the national level. They call them assault weapons. It's a bogus lie. There's no such thing as an assault weapon. There's a gun. Uh, They claim guns have certain lethality. Every gun has lethality, folks. Uh, Every gun can be used as an assault weapon, but every gun can also be used as a defense mechanism. I jokingly, but seriously, call them rape-me-nots. Because if a woman has a gun and she knows how to use it, she's not going to get raped because she'll stop the thug, right? So they call them rape-me-nots or kill-me-nots or hold-us-hostage-nots, whatever you want to call them. But the point is, guns, whoever's hands they're in, they can be used for good or evil just like any other technology, right? Uh, You know, for the government, when they're in bed with Twitter, they're using assault computers against the rest of us with our free speech, right? See what I mean? An assault computer? Well, when it's in the hands of government, it seems to be like that. They violate all of our five First Amendment rights. Hey, can you skip the break real quick? All right. So we're going to go straight to this clip, ladies and gentlemen. And this clip is a summary of the sheriffs in Illinois pushing back. Here it is. 
On Tuesday, a new bill was signed into law that outlaws the sale and manufacturing of semi-automatic assault weapons. It also bans large magazines and rapid-fire attachments. Now with the law in place, some county sheriffs are taking a stand. News 8's Cesar Sanchez joins us live with more on why some counties are against it. Hi, Cesar. Hey, Linda, we're here live in Rock Island County, where we just received word that Sheriff Hart has also, is also against the new bill that was passed on Tuesday. And we also know that at least three county sheriffs have discussed with each other about the new bill. And today we spoke with Whiteside, sheriffs, Whiteside County Sheriff excuse me, to discuss about the new bill, and he says that the bill is unconstitutional, and many other sheriffs agree. We feel we're doing the right thing. With Governor Pritzker signing a new bill that bans the sale of dozens of firearms. That's why sheriffs are speaking up. Whiteside County Sheriff John Booker is picking a side. A lot of people are saying that we can't pick and choose and we have to follow the laws, but you know, people don't understand that as the sheriff, we're the keeper of the jails. We do have a say who can come in and out of our jails. Sheriff Booker announced that Whiteside County will not check that gun owners register their weapons to the state. Booker believes the federal law overrules the state law, making the bill unconstitutional. It's going after the law-abiding citizen is what we're upset about. And many other gun owners agree. A lot of frustration in the fact that their Second Amendment rights are getting stripped away. During a press conference, Governor Prisker said there will be consequences for deputies who do not comply with the new law. There isn't a sheriff around that supports violent crime. This isn't what we're seeing. We're just saying going after law-abiding citizens is not the way that this needs to be done. Booker says he wants better communication from the governor to look at other issues, such as mental health. You can lay a gun on a table. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's a person that has to pick that gun up and shoot somebody. Now, the reason why Sheriff Booker wants to talk with Governor Prisker about mental health is because he believes that crime happens because criminals have poor mental health. And get this, according to Booker, the closest mental health facility for Whiteside County residents is one hour and a half away. And Booker says that needs to change. Linda, back to you. All right, Caesar, thank you. Other county sheriffs in Knox and McHenry counties are also saying they will not be checking for gun registration with the state. The Protect Illinois Communities Act also sparking reaction from the other side of the river. The Iowa Firearms Coalition strongly condemning Governor J.B. Pritzker for the new law. A member of the coalition says the three Illinois sheriffs who won't comply are in the right, saying he believes they're taking their oath that they made to support the federal constitution seriously. The coalition member also says large portions of the law are unconstitutional and violate the Second Amendment. Supreme Court has previously right. made clear that... All right, there you have it. This is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. There you have that. That's the summary report on this. I don't believe they did a very good job. That They did it while they were at, like, a shooting range or whatever, plinking bullets in the background. That just ups the ominous kind of view of this. Uh, it takes it out of the uh, logical realm into the emotional realm when you do that. They make the sheriffs look like they're a bunch of renegade lawmen kind of a thing, or, you know, we're back to the Wild West and these people won't cooperate. And this is a complete lie. All right. Now, Richard Mack, president of the CSPOA, I'm CEO of the CSPOA. I work with him very closely. 
That's the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. We're in the middle of writing a press release in support of these Illinois sheriffs. Because what the governor's saying is I'll arrest these law enforcement people or I'll fire them uh, if they don't go along with my uh, agenda, with the law. The problem is then the governor says they these sheriffs can't pick and choose which laws they're going to obey. Well, what the governor has done, along with the state legislative body in Illinois, is they've created a showdown of laws. Okay, they created a law that violates the Second Amendment, the Supreme Law. So which holds precedent, ladies and gentlemen, when you have a state law that violates a Supreme Law? The answer is the Supreme Law takes precedent, and the sheriffs understand and know that. That's the problem. Uh, He says that the sheriffs can't pick and choose which laws they'll obey. Well, you know what? The governor and the state legislative body can't pick and choose either. There's a state constitution in Illinois and a general constitution. Um, This law violates both. So you know what, Governor? You can't pick and choose to replace or to change any law you want to. You can't violate the Supreme Law either. I'm calling on the governor of of, uh, Illinois to resign or be forced out of office over this. He swore an oath to uphold the law, not create conflicting violating laws. Well, so Richard Mack, as I mentioned, had the chance to be on One America News Now, a friendly news organization. Here's how that went down. Uh-oh, do we got that clip? There we go. Love it. Welcome back, everyone. Assault-style weapons are officially illegal in the state of Illinois. Assault weapons. This after Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the controversial Protect Illinois Communities Act into law on Tuesday. This new law bans assault weapons, including some semi-automatic firearms, along with high-capacity magazines and rapid-firing devices. Several law enforcement agencies are already pushing back by saying they will not enforce this new blatantly unconstitutional gun ban as they believe just that it is unconstitutional. In which Governor Pritzker responded by saying that law enforcement will either do their job or they won't be in their job. Listen. The fact is that, yes, there are, of course, people who are trying to politically grandstand, uh, who want to make a name for themselves by claiming that they will not comply. But the reality is that the state police is responsible for enforcement, as are all law enforcement all across this state. And they will, in fact, do their job or they won't be in their job. So threatening to fire police officers while you're already dealing with a shortage in police officers amid a surge in violent crime, not the smartest move, if you ask me. But I'm not at all surprised. Nothing in this bill will make Illinois residents safer. Illinois is one of the strictest gun, lo- gun control laws in the states, in the nation, before the ban. And how's that been working out for them? <laughs> Should we ask Chicago? Former Sheriff Richard Mack joins me now to discuss this. He started the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which educates both citizens, sheriffs, and other peace officers on the Constitution and their limitations of power according to the Constitution. 
It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Sheriff Mack. These officers were, were given an ultimatum by their governor, enforce this obviously unconstitutional law, or you're going to be out of a job. You're not going to be able to feed your family. Uh, your response to, to that, it, it seems just quite grotesque. Well, uh, Governor Pritzker is uh, falling in line with uh, many of the other governors of Illinois who are totally corrupt and don't know the Constitution and don't know the limitations on their own power. Uh, these sheriffs that are pushing back are voted into office by, for, and of the people of those counties. They are uh, not hired by the governor uh, or the state. They cannot be fired by the whims of this governor. Uh, and if this governor uh, knew and understood uh, the own uh, history and criminality in Illinois and more specifically Chicago, uh, that he would try to do something to take guns away from criminals instead of law-abiding citizens. And those sheriffs are required by law to protect the rights of the people uh, because he and other politicians want to act and grandstand, as he said, uh, to the people of Chicago and Illinois that they're actually doing something about crime when they're actually making it worse and these brave sheriffs and other public officials who are, are saying, no, that's not going to help. Maybe we should, maybe you should try, try to talk to us before you pass uh, criminal laws and, and make us a part of this instead of uh, making it worse for the American people in Chicago. Uh, nothing, and you already alluded to this, nothing that this bill does uh, takes guns away from the gangs or stops the violence of Chicago. Yeah, you know, now that he's passed this law, I guess all of the, the felons, all of the people who illegally own firearms, who are, are involved with gangs, I guess if they have any guns that fall under this new law, all of a sudden they're just going to be law-abiding citizens, perfectly law-abiding citizens. Just gonna they're going to give gonna them turn up. them in, right? They're going to turn them in, do the right thing, say, here you go, Governor Pritzker, <laughs> I'm so terribly sorry. No, of course they're yeah. not going to do that. So what is, what is the thought process in passing a, a, a law like this? Well, the thought process is pure politics, and he, he blames these uh, brave sheriffs uh, for uh, grandstanding. That's all he's doing. Uh, he has no experience in this. He is providing nothing new. Uh, he is going to provide no safety uh, for the people in Illinois. Uh, and he's actually lying to them uh, about this going to work. He's also lying to them about keeping his oath of office. He swore an oath. Read the, read the Illinois Constitution, uh, Governor, and read the United States Constitution. Uh, I want a case about this sort of thing at the United States Supreme Court. Maybe you ought to be checking on some of the cases that the United States Supreme Court just ruled regarding the Second Amendment. You are violating that. You're violating your oath. And you are the one that should be removed from office. And you should resign in shame. Uh, be, you know, you're like I said, you're just following along the other corrupt governors of in the history of Illinois. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this criminal governor is out of control. Okay, he needs to be impeached, removed from office, and put on trial for his violation of the Constitution. When he got elected, he swore to uphold the supreme law of the land, 
and protect the supreme law of the land from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And he should have censured the legislative body for even considering or passing a law like this. He should have said, you know what? You guys cannot do this. You've sworn an oath to uphold, not to create conflicting laws and then threaten law enforcement for choosing the supreme law. If he was ignorant and he's like, oh, you know, I passed this or I signed this and I didn't really know. And the sheriff's educated him and he backed off. That would be one thing. It's like, you know what? You're human. Maybe you didn't know. You grew up and went to the communist government schools. So maybe you didn't know. But when he literally goes this far to, to the legislative body passes a law, then to go ahead and sign this into law and then threaten law enforcement to kowtow to his pretend legislation that conflicts with the supreme law of the land? He's gone too far. If the American people allow this to stand, huh, sadly, we get what we deserve. We, the people, should create the ultimate check and balance and fire this guy. Hang tight. There's more in the clip in seconds on your radio. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. Tornadoes across the South are blamed for at least nine deaths in Alabama and Georgia. Officials fear the death toll could rise as search and rescue efforts continue. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey praised the people of her state as they deal with such devastation. Typical of the values that we Alabamians have, that we just flat help everybody when we can. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp identifies two victims who died in his state as a five-year-old boy who was hit by a falling tree and a transportation worker killed while responding to the storm. It could take days to assess the damage. Loved ones of the late Lisa Marie Presley seem to have been forced to make one of the hardest choices of all. Here's Ryan Daniels. New details about Lisa Marie's death are coming to light. TMZ reporting the 54-year-old was already brain dead when she was admitted to the hospital Thursday afternoon. She'd been rushed there after suffering cardiac arrest at her California home. The hospital put Presley under a medically induced coma, where her heart then reportedly failed two more times. That's about when family, who had already signed a DNR, ordered doctors not to resuscitate her. The family says she will be laid to rest at Graceland next to her son Benjamin, who died by suicide in 2020. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is heading south this weekend, making multiple stops along the U.S. southern border during an unprecedented influx of asylum seekers. New York has accommodated nearly 40,000 migrants since May, and Mayor Adams estimates that has cost the city at least $1 billion. He will speak from El Paso on Sunday. Meanwhile, migrants being housed at a Manhattan hotel say they're being given rotten food by the city. There are also complaints about the food being served at another shelter. Somebody won the billion-dollar Mega Millions jackpot in last night's drawing. The ticket was sold in Maine. There were also 14 winners of up to $2 million each in several states. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people... It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, 
They'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. All right, we're in the middle of a clip, ladies and gentlemen, where Sheriff Richard Mack appears on, quote, in focus with Addison Smith on one America News Network, a very friendly, great network to be on. We're grateful for their partnership and involvement. Uh, here's the rest of the clip. Then we'll talk about it with Chris Carlson. Regarding the Second Amendment, you are violating that. You're violating your oath. And you are the one that should be removed from office and you should resign in shame. Uh, be, you know, you're like I said, you're just following along the other corrupt governors of in the history of Illinois. But we need to take crime uh, more seriously than just passing another stupid law that makes people feel good, but will change nothing. And as a matter of fact, Governor, I will guarantee you right now, your uh, support of this legislation will make things worse and make crime worse. Why don't you focus on going after the criminals that commit gun violence instead of the law-abiding citizens of Illinois? And we also, I want to play another clip for our audience. Uh, Pritzker also responded, not, not just to police officers, but to citizens of his state who might not like this, this new, uh, might not like having their Second Amendment infringed. What's Here's he going to do, fire them too? <laughs> yeah. Here's what he said to yeah. the people of Illinois. What, what is your message to those people who've kind of said, look, we might turn a blind eye to this thing? Well, the first thing I'd say is uh, they took an oath of office to uh, uphold the law uh, as law enforcement. That's their job. And I expect them to do that job. Uh, I, you know, you can have all the resolutions and declarations that you want. The reality is that the laws that are on the books, you don't get to choose which ones people are going to follow. Um, you know, if you don't like it, go petition for a change uh, in the legislation or in Springfield. Remember, nobody's guns are getting taken away from them. Um, there are plenty of other weapons that aren't covered at all by uh, this ban, and this ban is really focused on the same kinds of weapons that were uh, banned by the federal government uh, for 10 years, and we saw a significant downdraft in the number of people uh, who were shot and killed uh, as a result of the passage of that assault weapons ban. We expect the same thing to happen here in Illinois. You don't like being deprived of your God-given right to keep and bear arms? Then go sign a petition. So says Governor Pritzker. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, what a joke he is because he actually talked about the oath of office. Why don't you quote the oath of office you're talking about, Governor? In your oath. You promise in God's name to uphold and defend the United States Constitution. Should I quote you the 27 words in the Second Amendment? Uh, no, you are the one picking and choosing. You think it's okay to violate the supreme law of the land, i.e. the Bill of Rights uh, and the Second Amendment. It's not up to you to pick and choose what gun I own. It's not up to you to pick and choose 
how I keep and bear arms. And no, there is no statistic except some lies from the federal government that that uh, assault rifle uh, uses in crime diminished during the assault rifle ban. They've never been used in the commission of crime. They've all they've always been maybe one percent of the crimes. You're not going after, as you alluded to, the guns, the other guns. Most of the guns used in these crimes are pistols. Very few uh, crimes committed in this country or in Illinois uh, have these great big old guns that are very difficult to conceal. They don't use them too much because they're just too difficult to use and to conceal. Whether or not uh, the logistics of this, which gun is bad and which one isn't, you need to look at yourself and see what are we really doing about the criminal element in Chicago? You are doing nothing. You are going after the law-abiding citizens. The criminals are not going to stop using these guns or any other gun that you want to make illegal. Focus on the crime and the people committing the crime, not law-abiding citizens and sheriffs. Yeah, well said. Sheriff Mack, thank you so much for joining the show. All right, there you have Speaking it. Uh, look, guns aren't good or bad. Based on the people who have agency or choice, they can be used for good or bad. Let's reality check this thing, folks. All right, Chris Carlson with us. Welcome, <laughs> sir. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose, Sam. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in this fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So you're engaged in the fight. What's your commentary on this one? Ah, well, first of all, let me say, Sam, that uh, the state of Illinois is actually my old stomping grounds. I grew up in eastern Iowa, which is right across the river. In fact, that reporter was uh, in a city that I actually worked in, <laughs> uh, Moline, Illinois. So I'm familiar with the people of Illinois, and they're good people for the most part. In fact, Illinois, for the most part, is a farming state in the Midwest. The only problem is Cook County. Now, Cook County is where Chicago is located. And if it hadn't been for Chicago, I think... Uh, they probably would have elected a better governor than Governor Pritzker, who is at odds with the vast majority of the residents of that state. Because I happen to know I had a girlfriend who lived in Illinois and a lot of people there. Anyway, that having been said, my recommendation, if Governor Pritzker wants to get rid of, quote, unquote, assault weapons in his state, he should lead by example. Let him go door to door and see what type of a reception he gets when he tells people that he is there to confiscate their quote-unquote assault weapons, which is a scary-sounding word, I know, uh, but there are a lot of people, including myself, who actually own those. And there are a lot of people in Illinois because they're, for the most part, red, white, and blue-blooded patriotic Americans. But, so, but let Governor Pritzker go door-to-door -door and see what type of reception he gets from the law-abiding citizens of that state who happen to own according to their God-given, not, I would go beyond the Constitution, God-given right that is embodied in the Constitution that he swore an oath to uphold in which he is now violating. And if anything, he should be arrested like you and Sheriff Richard Matt suggested and thrown in jail for his violation of office, which, by the way, is treason with a capital T. That's my recommendation, Sam. I don't know about your. I mean, I do know about yours, but... I agree. Um, yeah. Let me ask you and this, too. Why doesn't he go door-to-door door and see the response from the people? 
but let's make sure that we take away all of his armed guards and his um, entourage as governor. You see, they all have these, you know, protection people around them. Let's just say you don't need all that protection, sir. That's why the American people um, understand the importance of the right to keep and bear arms. We need to protect ourselves. But look, let the governor just cruise around without any protection whatsoever as well. Because if what's good for us is good for him, just because he has, is elected public servant, let me say that again, public servant, that doesn't mean yeah. that he gets yeah. this entourage of special protection, does it? Well, he can have as many people uh, surround him to protect him as he wants, as long as he doesn't do it on the public dime. That's my concern. Uh, as long as he legitimately uh, pays them from his pocket, because, you know, I have the same right. He, he can't use all those weapons for protection he's trying to take away from the rest of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I, I would, didn't look at it that way. Yeah, there, I guarantee you his um, his protective detail is uh, uh, carrying assault weapons, quote unquote. I, I guarantee you that. I guarantee that is uh, the police that protect him and, and the city. Yeah, they're all better. carrying guns of lethality there, Chris. Yep. But that's okay, Sam, because they went to the police academy. They're trained, right? And we're a bunch of redneck hicks that don't know what the what end of the Yeah, we're redneck hicks that decided of. we didn't like King George, too. Right. Yep. So I think I think this may redound to the benefit of the people of this nation. I think now that there's a, a a focus on the state of Illinois to see how this will be resolved and what the sheriffs will do. Hopefully, the sheriffs uh, will have enough cojones uh, to stand up to the challenge and to not bend under the pressure. And this may actually redound to the benefit of constitutionally minded. Uh, law-abiding citizens throughout this nation because there is now a focus on the state of Illinois. Uh, and the media hopefully will report it accurately. Obviously, you know, there is the possibility. No, they you heard the difference between the two reports. Yeah. One was a non-friendly news group. The other one was a friendly news group. And you see the well, difference in the coverage <clears throat> as blatant as the nose on your face, sir. Right, 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 right. So it is up to the discernment of the general populace now to be able to to see through the deception that is being thrown up against us in the mainstream media. And there will be a sufficient number of um, red, white, and blue blooded patriots in this nation that will be able to see the media is so unpopular nowadays. Hopefully they'll be able to see through it. I'm, I'm being probably more optimistic than I should be, but hopefully they'll be able to see through the facade of uh, propaganda. I don't know. There you have it. All I can say is this, ladies and gentlemen. You people of Illinois must rise up and fire Governor Thug Pritzker. Do it now. Peacefully fire him. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. 
Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman blatantly calls on the good people of the great state of Illinois to peacefully fire criminal Illinois Governor Pritzker. Fire him and do it now. This guy swore to uphold the Constitution. Now he's literally signing laws into place violating that supreme law. And then he's threatening law enforcement over it. Threatening them uh, by smashing their bread bowl. You'll have no job. You'll have no way to take care of your family, the thug threatens. Look, the people of Illinois, you got to get this done. Uh, I don't think I'm bold enough, Chris. No, no, you can't be. You, you, we have to make a firm stand against this because th- this will establish a precedent, and it will be followed either for good or evil throughout this land because other governors are watching very carefully because you know the majority of governors, and I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican, there's pressure being applied to them, no matter which states they represent, to do the same exact thing. So this is this is going to establish a precedent that we need to be very careful to establish on the side of freedom and constitutional rights, Sam. So the, I, my shout out to my friends in the state of Illinois, uh, where I used to work and do a lot of business, please be firm. And please love liberty more than life. See, these sheriffs, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on their shoulders. I don't envy their situations. I would not want to be in their situations. But if I were, you have to do the right thing because this is going to ripple throughout the, the entirety of the nation. In fact, throughout the world, for that matter, if you think about it, um, and they, need, they just need to do the right thing. What they need to do, Sam, is they need to educate their citizens on their God-given, constitutionally embodied rights and it's embodied in the Second Amendment and in the Fourth Amendment, for that matter, to be secure in their papers, their houses, their persons and effects. The government should have no business, no interest in whether or not you are uh, possessing uh, a gun. Amen. That is protected. 
that is protected, protected in both the, by second. the second amendment but it's also uh, codified we have the right to keep and bear arms before the constitution the bill of rights even before the declaration of independence was written ladies and gentlemen and what the declaration of independence calls legislation that violates true law it's called in the declaration of independence pretend legislation just so you all know all right, yeah. there you have that. Moving on to the next article that I want Chris to comment on. Here it is. Tucker Carlson praised House Speaker Kevin McCarthy for promising to release the 14,000 hours of video footage from the January 6, 2021 uh, event in the Capitol building. And uh, the question that Tucker asks, and I reiterate, is this. How many law enforcement agents actively helped January 6th patriots enter the building that day? Some did we know for a fact because we have the video. Uh, but will Kevin really release this 14,000 hours? He promised he will. He said the people deserve to know the truth. What do you say, Chris? Okay. So the thing that came to mind when you said that, of course, yes, I'm obviously in favor of that. And there's one piece of evidence that I think the American people need to see that we really haven't talked about. It's called the, the Columbia Doors. I think they're on the east side of the Capitol that are literally 10 tons in weight. And they have to be opened electronically. And nobody but insiders, obviously law enforcement and other uh, qualified personnel, would be able to open those doors. Those doors were opened on the morning or afternoon, excuse me, of January 6th. Who opened that door? Let's see if we can release enough video footage to determine that or, you know, inform- uh, evidence in general. And I just thought I'd throw that out. And I know that's kind of a, a specific thing. But, yes, uh, good good for Tucker Carlson. Um, I hope that the Carlson name uh, is upheld uh, as, as it should be in that case. But he won't. Uh, McCarthy won't. He won't do any of the things that he promised to do. What was – he was talking he's talking about doing something the other day and I thought he'll never do that. Anyway. So that's my comment on that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Kevin McCarthy, but I will say this. I'm going to treat him like Donald Trump, which means I'm concerned about him. I don't know his true intentions. I don't uh, I don't have I'm not convict convinced that he's a true patriot. Some say that he is, many say that he's not. His record in the house shows that he's not. But you know what? I'm willing to give anybody to the benefit of the doubt, Chris, and I'm willing to give anybody a chance to choose right. So when Kevin McCarthy says, I'm going to release, I promise you that I will release all 14,000 hours of what happened on that day when patriots were let inside the building by law enforcement, my response is, go, Kevin. You know what? Get it done, buddy. The more you do that's right, the more I will praise you. The more you stand with the supreme law of the land and with we the people, the more I will support you. And if you can prove yourself to be a patriot, I will I will promote you. But you know what? I'll give you an example. Uh, this whacked out George Santos guy that lied to get into office. Literally criminal activity, election fraud. Kevin McCarthy says, no big deal, not going to worry about that. My response, shame on you, Kevin. Shame on you for allowing election fraud to happen blatantly in the open and then let that guy join your, quote, team. Shame on you, sir. Now, when it comes to releasing the video, good on you, sir. See, I don't take sides, Chris. I call it as I see it uh, uh, in, in, from a constitutional founding father-esque yeah. point of view. When you allow election fraud to happen, I'm never, ever going to be okay with it. I'm going to condemn it, and I'm going to shame on you for being involved in it. Kevin McCarthy, uh, but when you do good things like release the uh, you know 
information so that we have transparency and accountability. I think we need that. So when Tucker Carlson praises Kevin, I agree with Tucker. I'll do the same thing to Tucker and anybody else. When they're right on an issue, they'll get my support. When they're wrong, then they're going to get my, uh, I shouldn't say condemnation, but they're going to get my rebuke. They're going to get my, here's why you're wrong, Kevin. It isn't about you as a person. It's about principle. That's the bottom line for me, Chris. I've always been this way in all of my broadcasting history, and I'm going to remain the same, sir. You are objective, certainly. And if the voting fraud favored the Republicans, I'd be just as uh, opposed. No, this favors the Republicans. This George Santos guy is a Republican. That's right. He committed election fraud, and he voted for Speaker McCarthy. And that's why McCarthy kept him. Shame uh, on them both. And shame on everybody who stands by and says nothing. Yeah, well, he, he he must be a rhino Republican if that's the case. Oh, he no, is for sure. Right. He's from New York. He's a liar and a thief. He stole the election from the American people. Uh, you know, Kevin says, well, the people elected him. Yeah, with all kinds of dishonest faults. They elected him on a false premise that they didn't realize, sir. And he says, well, let's just wait two years and see uh, if the people keep him. Well, that's not, not fair. Why give a criminal, <laughs> why give a liar two years to become uh, an incumbent? Okay, what you get is incumbent exactly. status. What you get is plenty yeah. of money behind you to stay in office. So we won't know what the people's will will be. The people's will was circumvented by the lies, Kevin. By the criminal activity that preceded this, Kevin. Okay, that's the problem. But see, this guy might stay if he's good enough at fundraising and good enough at surrounding himself and good enough at deceiving the people uh, we've got a short memory in two years all he's got to do is bring home a little bit of bacon all he's got to do is tap into the fundraising secret fundraising dark money dark and you'll never stop the guy see that's the problem that you don't get kevin well you probably get it all too well that's the real problem so i'm going to praise them when they do good and i'm going to criticize them when they don't do good and i'm going to highlight the fundamental principles behind my stance every time Yep. There you go. And you'll hear you'll hear cries, but as ridiculous as it may sound, Sam, and I'll I'll, I'll leave my comments at this. You'll hear people say, "Oh, he is who he who is without sin cast the first stone." You know, we we've all made little white lies here and there, and they'll use that as rationalization to keep them in. If they do that, they will have perpetrated a crime for which they should be ashamed. But I don't yeah, know. And this isn't we'll this isn't just little white lies though. This guy lied about his his employment. He lied about his education. He lied about his owning property. He lied about his ethnicity. He lied about his historical relevance from a family point of view. This guy is a flat-out criminal. There's no way to avoid that. Right? Yeah. Well, we'll see what type of integrity. Well, we already know what type of integrity or lack thereof that Kevin McCarthy has. But uh, we'll, we'll see if he pulls right. under the pressure. I mean, at this point, it's just applying enough pressure. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, there you have that. I just thought I'd bring all this to your attention. Uh, I know those are topics that you um, didn't have in your list of things you wanted to discuss today, Chris. <laughs> but I really think that some of these are late-breaking information like this gun bill. Um, most, pe- most people don't realize the sheriffs are pushing back here. Uh, the mainstream press just wants to kind of mock the sheriffs as if they're somehow, you know, off the beat. Um, but it's not true. 
the truth is the sheriffs are standing up for what's right. The American people need the education that goes behind what happened, if you will. Uh, any final thought on that? Maybe the C, uh, the Constitution Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association can make a little trip to Illinois and um, maybe have a little conference there. I don't know. It's just a recommendation. As the CEO of the organization, Sam, you might, and I know you're, you've considered that, at least issue some, and in, in you're in the midst of uh, issuing some uh, press releases. Yeah, we're working on a press release to support these sheriffs. We're also going to be calling several of these sheriffs and say, hey, you know, I know there's five or six sheriffs that are pretty bold on this in Illinois who are willing to speak out. How many sheriffs are really backing this? Because, look, the CSPOA back in the day, Chris, uh, when gun control was happening and everything else, number one, one of the sheriffs went and sued the Clinton administration and won. Yep. That was Richard Mack. Uh, But since 1997, when that victory was had, uh, there's been a lot of times where they pushed for gun control. And you've literally had uh, aligning with the CSPOA upwards of 600 sheriffs say, no, no, we're not doing that. And so we do have support for our position big time. So we're going to be digging into that to get kind of some answers because it's really important to know where people stand. Um, These sheriffs are wisely bringing this up. Look, we control the jails. Well, in my opinion, if if the governor uh, ventures into any of your counties, sheriff, arrest him. Just arrest him for his violation of the Second Amendment. He has no authority to do that whatsoever. Toss him in your jail and say, we're going to have a discussion when you're in your, what do they call that suit? What color suit is that when you go to jail? Oh, an orange jumpsuit. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to go to the orange jumpsuit there and we'll talk about it, Governor. See, because if people see the governor in a jumpsuit, it'll really send a message. Oh, yeah. And they have every right to do that. The message is do not do this. Do not do this. You don't have authority. consequences. Yep. No, you're 100% completely and totally justified, and they have an obligation, not only a right or a a power, they have the obligation to do just that, to set an example for the other governors in this nation who, you know— Many of them are thinking about doing the same things. If they could get away with it, they would have done it yesterday. But right. set an well, example. Press here's this. the final. Here's the final for this hour. Joe Biden creepily whispers that he will veto any bill repealing his 87,000 new IRS agents. He says he'll veto the bill. So he's got news for you. He'll shut you down. I got news for the president. You ready? Here's what the House should say. That's fine. You do that, and we'll hold up every single penny in government until you come to your senses, sir. We, the House, control the purse strings. Remember the supreme law you swore to uphold, President? We hold the purse strings and not a penny for you until you come to your senses. Let's have a showdown. That's my response. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. Chris Carlson and Sam Bushman on your radio. God save the republic of the United States of America. Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. 
All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. This is the broadcast for Saturday, January the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023, hour two at two, promoting God, family, and country on your radio, Chris. Chris, you're on the radio, my friend. All right, we'll try to get Chris back. We're going to talk about the economy, believe it or not, this hour as we try to get Chris back on the radio. Uh, man, technology always seems to break down at the worst times, doesn't it, folks? But you know what? It's okay. We're always able to talk about anything on your radio, anything, because we have so many news articles to discuss, so many things to focus on. But the economy is front and center, Chris. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what really most people are concerned about in their day-to-day lives. They just want to have a pretty solid economy. They want to have a job that uh, meets their day-to-day needs. And if they can accomplish that and watch the Super Bowl and watch uh, Monday Night Football, they're pretty content. <laughs> so, I don't know that I well, want to work. I just want to sit around, Chris. What do you think? <laughs> sit around, get, that, me on a, get me on a universal basic income, a UBI. Let me just sit around. Let me be kind of like a Mark Knopfler and, and uh, the folks over there. Um, money for nothing, chicks for free. I, I, let me be like that, those guys. What do you think? Well, you can do that right Dire now. You don't straights. have to wait until universal basic income is implemented universally. Uh, there are a lot of people doing that now. I know. Yeah, how do you afford people. it? I, I can't do that. I won't be able to pay my <laughs> you bills. don't. It's not your fault, Sam. You were born blind. You have an excuse. You've got an alibi oh, that sit yeah, around. Good point. <laughs> man, man, man I, this has escaped me for 55 years. Right. Man, better late than never. That's Ladies right. and gentlemen, this is, the, this is the sad mentality that America has embraced for far too long. Look, there's a bleak outlook for the 2023 economy. That's according to virtually everybody now, Chris. Yeah, so Joel Skousen, of course, we go to Joel Skousen because of his research. He does extensive research on these topics. He says, uh, he asked rhetorically, is 2023 the year the economy's bubble will finally burst? And I say no. But he That's says, a question mark he has, right? It's really yeah, asking everybody to, to ponder this. And is it is it really the year that it's going to burst? And I agree with you. The answer is no. No. And, and, and the reason why is because we have a Democratic president in office. And they don't want it to collapse. And I use the word collapse a little guardedly because I don't th- – and Jill Skousen would agree with me. I don't think there ever will be a collapse, at least not as far as the international bankers would like there to be. They want there to be a slow crash, like a slow-motion plane crash. But a Think about, yeah, think about your tire that just, just loses air really slowly. That's what they want because it's not jolting. Yep, it's not jarring. You just look back two years ago and go, wow, I've lost a lot of ground. You look back two years before that, whoa, man, you know, things just aren't the same for your kids as they are for you. And I'll show you a quick example of this. You know, I bought a home where I live in Utah County, Utah, uh, back in 2001. So literally 20 years ago, 20, whatever, one, two years ago, 20 years ago for the sake of discussion. And I bought it for 150 grand. It's basically a starter home, a lot of people would say. It's not super fancy. It's, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice house. I'm not saying it's awful, but it's certainly not fancy. 
It's got everything you need, but it's not fancy. Uh, and I bought it for 150 grand. Do you realize that house is worth like um, about $600,000 right now? That's right. Okay, quadrupling yep. of house prices in 20 years is absolutely psychotic. Well, the point yeah. that I'm making is that, you know, you would say, well, that's awesome, Sam. You got some real wealth. Yeah, but if I sell it, then what do I do? Go buy a more expensive house? Okay, or look, my children, and this is the whole point, my children can't afford to live near me where I live. They would all love to stay, but they can't, so they're leaving, Chris. My daughter's yeah, moving to Texas in a couple of days. Uh, yep. My son's considering leaving and going somewhere else. And, um, you know, my other daughter's moving to Texas. And, you know, people are leaving. Yeah. And people have already left. My son makes good money. He had to move 100 or, or I'm sorry, 60 miles north of where I live in order to buy a home. My daughter had to move 40 miles to the south just to buy a home. Okay. But that was a few years ago. As it continues to get worse, now my kids can't even buy homes. You're right. So my son's going, what do I do, Dad? Should I buy a, um, like a fifth wheel or whatever and just park it outside of your house and inside of my you know, father-in-law and mother-in-law's home and live that way for a while till I can, you know, what should I do? The sad part, Chris, and I don't mean to take all day on this, but I don't have answers for him. Do you? Um, well, just be patient. Things will change. I'm thinking about going to Missouri, Sam. We've talked about this in the past. I can literally sell my home, which is on less than a fifth of an acre here in the state of Utah, and I can move to Missouri and buy a home on a 20-acre lot and have money left over to give you an idea of how expensive housing is here in, in a rural area in, in uh, Missouri. But there are places you can go, but even those places, um, you know, there's a housing bubble. And so Joel Skousen talks about, it, you know, he, he thinks that the housing bubble will deflate, which is starting to because of high interest rates. But as far as the economy uh, significantly uh, uh, experiencing a downturn in 2023, the answer would be no, because Joe Biden would, would get the blame uh, because he controls the White House. Uh, the Democrats control the Senate and the Republicans. They want to wait to, to skip to the, the point I'm trying to make, Sam. They want to wait, I believe. And I made this prediction with Donald Trump, and unfortunately, I was right. I think they want to wait until a Republican is in the White House in order to pull the plug on the economy. But even then, Sam, I don't think that they will allow a, a gigantic crash to occur because, again, like like we talked about, they want everything to be so gradual that we don't respond radically to it. Because once they we are out of their control, they cannot uh, implement their new world order, uh, great reset. And that's what they want. They want to implement it, but they have to do it very carefully, very gradually, and very methodically. In order to do that, they need to make sure that everybody's on board and still has hope that restoration can be accomplished, but that will never occur. Uh, but I think that there's a possibility that it could, could get out of control. I think there's a possibility that um, people will wake up to the fact that our money is worth hardly anything and that it's rapidly decreasing in value, which it is. Uh, and w you know when that's going to happen? When gold goes to two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. But it's not. It should be. Because that's its real value. If you extrapolate the value of gold out compared to the dollar historically, it should be a lot more than what it is in silver as well. 
but it's being artificial. You and uh, Brian Rust and uh, Kelly Finnegan talk about this all the time. It is being artificially suppressed. And he talks about that, Joel Skousen does, and he says that it will continue to be suppressed in value. So it may, may not even be a good investment necessarily, although eventually I think uh, it will. But let me talk about... All right, before we go to- on, I want, I, want to, I want to kind of educate the audience on something that I really believe is, is important. And I'll tell you where I learned this. I learned this in the Book of Mormon. I, I know you guys are going to say I'm crazy, especially those of you internationally and nationally. Uh, that You know, he, you say, I'm not a Mormon, Sam. Come on. And most of our audience is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I get that. I understand. But I just want to give you the source sometimes for the things that I say so that you understand. The Book of Mormon, just so everybody understands, is another testament of Jesus Christ. It's a record of the people in the American continent, uh, just like the Bible is the record of the people in Jerusalem. It's a history of the people and God's dealings with those people. All right. Now, you may or may not believe in that book, but the Secretary of Agriculture, Ezra Tab Benson, called it um, the Handbook for Freedom. And that's why I'm bringing this up right now. The Handbook for Freedom. Think about that. And uh, you could read the book, my fellow Americans, not because you're Mormon. Maybe you believe it or not believe it to be scripture. That's fine. But think about it from a tactical manual for liberty. All right. <clears throat> And in that book, what they teach is that the leadership, the Sadducees and Pharisees of the Bible, the kind of people in their society, okay, the leadership, whatever you want to say, the lawyers, what they would do is they would gauge the people's views on things. So they would kind of politely and whatever, poll the people for their reactions to things. And then based on that, if they felt like they could get the people to go along with them, they would do things that if they felt like the people would not go along, they would be patient as they continued to manipulate and agitate the people so that the environment or the climate would be right amongst the minds and hearts of the people. And the way it explains it, it says, we found out the minds of the people or the will of the people on a given topic. So I translated that into a modern-day English-American phrase that you'll be familiar with. Are the natives getting restless? Is the question. Now, here's the deal. They literally have a quotient, a factor. And they float trial balloons, and they gauge if the natives are getting restless. And they want to find out. So this example that we talked about last hour in Illinois about gun control, they did it in one state out of 50. They made a national issue out of it. They threatened law enforcement, and they're gauging the will and the resolve of the people. How native will the restless, I mean, how restless will the natives get is the question. Well, what they're really doing is doing that with the economy as well. And as long as they can let the air out of the tire slowly and the natives don't get too restless, they'll never be a crash. They'll just be a slow stripping of your wealth. If the natives get too restless... They'll turn to war. Write it down. Remember who told you first. Liberty Roundtable Live. I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. 
I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Welcome back to Libby Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. No relation to Tucker, but I wouldn't mind if there was. So we talk about slavery, and that's their ultimate goal, these globalists. And they are very powerful, and their agenda is being implemented. But they discovered a long time ago that voluntary slavery is a lot easier to maintain than involuntary slavery because you've got the messy thing about putting shackles on your, your wrists and your ankles and building cages and running after fugitive slaves. So they determined that if they can just master the minds of the general populace through propaganda that we talked about last week, they can control us and we can become our own shackles around our wrists and our ankles. So that's what they're doing. But let me put a a finer point on that, Sam. So just recently, and this ties into what we've been talking about, just recently, they mysteriously discovered some classified documents in the garage where Joe Biden was keeping his his um, Camaro, uh, not Camaro, his um, Corvette, baby, Corvette, baby, little red Corvette. <laughs> now, of all the crimes of which he and his criminal family are guilty, they just have now they're waking up and, and getting a conscience and becoming concerned about his criminal activities. That is not consistent with what we've seen by the Injustice Department lately. So I think what they're doing is they're they're giving themselves an excuse to escort him off stage left. Now, of course, uh, the Republicans will uh, be very happy about this uh, turn of events, but obviously Kamala Harris will come out. But I think what they're doing is they're they're – going to use him they use joe biden as a scapegoat for a lot of the problems that we've been uh, experiencing lately 
Joe Biden will be deemed incompetent to stand trial, and his son Hunter will plea bargain down the most serious charges against him and get off with a slap on the wrist. I think both of them will basically, for different reasons, uh, get off of their criminal activities. And the Republicans will say, well, let bygones be bygones. Let's focus on getting our country back on track. So they'll be the getaway drivers in this whole scenario. Um, and I think what's going to happen, Sam, and this is my prediction, so write it down, people. I believe Ron DeSantis, who is being groomed, as you know, as everybody in this country knows, to become our next Republican president, will actually win the 2024 presidential election. And like I said, the economy will not uh, go down rapidly. We, they want to maintain a relative semblance of normalcy. But things will happen. A lot of, a lot of bad things will happen. But when, when the worst things happen, they want to make sure that somebody will be blamed that is not a Democrat. They want to make sure – and this is a, a, a common thread throughout the his, political history of this country. They always – within the last 50 years at least – they always want to make sure that Republicans, conservatives, even though we know that they're not really conservative, they're not constitutional, but there are remnants of constitutional – um, elements that are still associated with the Republican Party that, that go back to our founding fathers, and they want to eliminate any vestige of any association of conservative values valuing the people. So that's why I think they're trying to discredit, for the most part, the Republican Party, because ultimately they want you know, the Democrats to be the political saviors. But they've got some messy work to go through, and I think that's what's going to happen now. So the good news on that, Sam, is that we'll have two years of relative peace and prosperity. I say relative because obviously, and whether or not we're in a an economic decline or a recession, well, that's already been determined uh, by precedent. That's two consecutive quarters of economic downturn, and we've already had those. But of course, they changed the definition of recession a few years back and said, no, no, that's, that's the old way of defining a recession. So we're already in a recession. So that question has already been answered. But uh, what we need to concern ourselves with is if these globalists really get out of control because they can't control everything. They think they can, and then their plan is, is um, well thought out. Uh, but, you know, just like everything else, the, the, the best laid out plans do not always unfold the way that their planners uh, design it to. Uh, and there's precedent in the past that demonstrates that sometimes plant things get out of control. The people will rebel a little bit more than what their masters want them to, and it will devolve into general societal chaos. And that's what they're trying to avoid, I think, because that doesn't make for very good slaves because then it, all heck breaks loose and nobody's in control. But Joel Skousen talks about some things that he predicts will happen, and let me just list those really quick here. Um, he believes that uh, uh, the spending uh, spending will probably continue uh, at pace because of government dispensations and because middle class and upper class people still have spending money. So as long as the, mo the money is flowing and then lower class people will continue to get handouts from the government, and that's important uh, to keep the Keynesian economic system flowing, even though it's super inflationary. Yeah, because as long as the natives have enough food and TV, they're not going to be mm -hmm. too restless there, Chris. 
But let's talk about food. And I want to focus on that because I've got some quotes from, from an, uh, a geopolitical analyst by the name of Peter Zihan. Have you ever heard of Peter Zihan, Sam? I have. Okay. So he wrote a book called The End of the World is Just the Beginning, Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. So he's uh, issued a, a quite a few dire predictions in his book. It's about 450 pages long, and I've read some excerpts from it. So let's talk about, um, and Jill Skousen talks about the sabotage of food processing plants in the United States, and we've talked about this in the past as well. It is extremely coincidental that dozens and dozens of food processing plants, Sam, within the last two and a half years have mysteriously uh, been either burned down or seriously damaged by fire. And this is more than obviously a coincidence. You know, they're being sabotaged. And Peter Zihan puts a little finer point on the uh, instability of our world food supply. In these words, Sam, and I'm going to read word for word. He says, you can't, you can't, can't no, I'm sorry, if you cannot get a widget, sure, you might not be able to manufacture a car. If the gas station runs out of fuel, sure, your life is going to be thrown into a tailspin. But if there's not enough to eat, you die. Your neighbors die. Everyone in your town dies. Your country dies. Far more governments have fallen due to food failures than war or disease or political infighting uh, combined. And it almost seems like a sick joke, but food is perishable. The one thing we absolutely must have is the one thing that can rot away in a matter of months, even if we are careful. Days if we are not. Food is fleeting, but hunger is forever. Anything, the long term is even more crushing. If the food supply system breaks down for any reason, you cannot simply manufacture more. Even quick-grow oats need three months from planting to harvest. And he talks about different crops and how long they take. And you can starve if you don't get enough food within a, a one month to maybe a month and a half period, depending on you know how much fat reserve you have on your body, which a lot of Americans have quite a bit. But people don't often think about our food supply because for the most part, we go to the grocery store, we get what we want, we come home, and we're for the most part satisfied. But he talks about how tenuous the international food supply is not only based upon the fact that a lot of it is imported and exported, but because of the means of production have become so mechanized, Sam, that the means of producing food, even now in third world countries, is so dependent upon manufacturing. So if supply lines get disrupted even slightly, that will create a ripple effect throughout the world economy. And as you know, we are living under a world uh, a, a world economy, economic system. There are literally countries that literally depend 100% on imports, and if those imports were cut off, they would starve to death. And he, he goes on to talk about that, that industrialization has enabled us to increase the total uh, calories grown by a factor of seven since 1945. And I tended to believe that. Think about that. Mechanization and industrialization has allowed the planet to increase its total calorie grown, in other words, food production, by a factor of seven since 1945. You know, that's just, what, 70 years? And um, if that delicate balance of industrialization and then the distribution of those manufactured goods throughout the world that the world depends upon for 
uh, mechanized uh, food production, you know, that uh, seven-fold increase since 1945 is going to revert back to its pre-1945 levels, which means people are going to starve. Doesn't sound fun, does it, ladies and gentlemen? Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, syndicated by the Loving Liberty Radio Networks at LovingLiberty.net. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. California is bracing for yet another round of torrential rain that has already turned deadly with 19 people dying since late December. Another atmospheric river is getting ready to roll through today. State emergency management leaders are taking rapid action. To pre-position our resources and focus on those areas that we know in the next two to three storm systems over the next three to four days will be critical. Nancy Ward, director of the California Governor's Office of Emergency Services, says the impacts have been significant, calling it one of the state's most deadly disasters. With one to six inches of rain forecast over the next week, the agency is monitoring mudslides, erosion, and landslides along the central coast. FEMA has approved an emergency declaration for 41 counties. Several deaths have been reported after tornadoes ripped through Alabama and Georgia. The National Weather Service said some of the worst damage is in Selma, Alabama. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey praised the people of her state as they deal with such devastation. Typical of the values that we Alabamians have, that we just flat help everybody when we can. Officials fear the death toll may rise as search and rescue efforts continue across the region. I'm Dave Collins. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer making a request to the White House for the records from President Biden's visitor logs at his Delaware home where classified documents were found. Comer telling the New York Post that Americans have a, quote, need to know who has visited the president's residence. The White House says those logs would mostly show the comings and goings of his grandchildren. Ukrainian officials are reporting a new round of missile attacks in Kyiv and Kharkiv. The strikes damaged several buildings and sparked fires early Saturday. Attacks follow Russian claims that its forces seized control of the eastern Ukrainian town of Solodar. The Ukrainian government is denying that claim from Moscow. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
Ladies and gentlemen, we're sure going to need the power of love to save us. I'll tell you that right now. Wow. Literally, the natives won't get restless as long as you give them too much bread and circus, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they're depending on. But you know what? They're now starting to use the food shortage as a weapon. And you say, what do you mean, Sam? There's not really a big food shortage. Not right now, there's not. But it's a coming because all things lead to a food shortage. You'll see what we mean. Chris? Yeah, so 1920 in the United States of America, as a historian, I remember very distinctly being taught that 1920 was the year that more people uh, did not uh, have to work in the sector of producing food than in any other sector. So we had mechanized the production of our food to the point where more people could devote their time to building cars, to building houses, building furniture, et cetera, et cetera. And since then, that ratio is has um, gone down to about 2% of the American population now is devoted to producing the food that the, the other 98% consumes, which is a great ratio. That means we've advanced significantly. But because of the mechanized nature and because we, we depend so much on uh, foreign supplies of food nowadays because of NAFTA and GATT and now uh, uh, USMCA, which was the recent global uh, treaty that we signed with uh, Europe and other countries. Uh, we are literally dependent in other Hold countries. Pro- just America. a side Go note, ahead. just proving that Donald's is aboard as everybody else. It's the next step, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget that reality check, okay? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sir. That's right. Okay. Anyway, I didn't mean to get too far afield with that. So our food supply is, is tenuous in the sense that it, it is de- dependent highly upon technology. If that technology were to be cut off because of supply line disruptions, which we are seeing, uh, or manufacturing disruptions, then we would have to revert back, just like you and I were talking about over the break, Sam, we'd have to revert back to our old ways of farming, which are a fraction as efficient and productive as they were, which means we wouldn't be able to feed as many people. Either that or more people would have to be devoted to producing food, just like they did a uh, hundred years ago in this country. But let's talk about our dependency, not only on the manufacturing process and the shipping process, and let's talk about how dependent our food production is on uh, crude oil and gas reserves. Because we know that there are people literally in this country and around the world who believe that we can live in a world that uh, where gas and oil does not exist, Sam. And that is ridiculously that's a that's a ridiculous notion. Let me so let's go back to Peter Zihan in his book uh, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, and he talks about how dependent our food production is on oil and gas. Oil and uh, oil derived products are critical to all things agricultural. If they aren't present present in sufficient volumes, the tractors, combines, trucks, trains, terminals, and ships that are central to producing and transporting foodstuffs. And their input streams simply do not function. And forget the electrical vehicle craze, Sam. And this is this is important because a lot of people think that uh, all of these um, fossil fuel-based uh, machines can be converted over to electric, and then all, everything will be hunky-dory. He goes on to say concerning the electric vehicle craze, leaving aside the minor details that come harvest time, farmers are out in the fields 18 hours a day. And that's a bit of an exaggeration. I grew up in farming communities, and it's not uncommon for farmers during harvest time to spend maybe 13, 14 hours out in the fields. 
But anyway, he goes on to say that there's no battery system in the world that can handle that sort of outcharge with only six or fewer hours of in-charge, as well as the less minor details that the EV ships. Now, he's talking about transport ships. Uh, the EV, tran- EV transport ships, which there is no such thing because they're completely and totally impractical. You, ne- you never get across the Atlantic Pacific Ocean with an electric ship. Uh, and he goes on to say, could not recharge in the middle of a freaking ocean. I'm sorry, can I say freaking over the air? He goes, electrification yes, technology. Yes, sure okay. can. <laughs> I just did. He goes on to say, electrification technology does not yet exist that can manage the high power-to-size requirements for either heavy equipment or long-range oceanic shipping. And that's true. So if we if we decide that we're going to live in a post-fossil fuel era and get away with it, sure, as long as we revert back to our pioneer days where over 50% of the population was producing food. And if you want to live in that world, fine. Go ahead and live in that world. I do not. I enjoy the the luxury of knowing uh, that I can. I don't have to uh, work on a farm just to produce enough food to survive. I don't want to live that survivalist type of mentality. And then he goes on to talk about fertilizer. Did you know that most of the commercial fertilizers that we produce are dependent upon oil and gas production? He yes, says, they remember, are. Remember how there's more to oil and natural gas than simply moving things around. Oil is typically the primary ingredient for pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and fertilizers. Um, and he talks about natural gas being the, yeah, the main oil, ingredient. Oil is like the carrier or whatever else. It's what makes it basically uh, heavy enough to, to, to disperse and then to stick, right? Yes, exactly. And he talks about... You know, okay, great. We can probably find other sources uh, of raw material from which to make fertilizers. Well, that's fine. But before the advent of crude oil-based uh, fertilizers, uh, we before that, uh, our productivity capacity was one-fourth of what it is today. So, again, we're reverting back to a bygone era where most people had to devote their their time and resources to producing food just to survive. And um, there is a war on oil and gas, as you know, and uh, Joel Skousen in his World Affairs Brief goes into some of the proposed um, gas, oil, and coal taxes that the Biden administration, in lockstep with the agenda of the New World Order, the the Great Reset, is going to impose on the American people. Uh, $6.5 billion in natural gas taxes. Uh, over what we normally would would tax, twelve billion in crude oil taxes, one point two billion in coal taxes. These are all increases that he's proposing, and um, of course, there's a corporate tax, and everybody knows that corporate taxes are not paid by corporations; they're paid by the people who consume the products that those corporations produce or the services. And yeah, then, because what you got to understand is corporations just simply put it in their products and services as part of the freight, so to speak. So you don't see yep. it, but it's there. That's why we pay it in reality. Yes, they might pass it along, but at the end of the day, we pay it because their costs would be less. Therefore, their retail or whatever you want to say would be less without it. So be clear. These corporations, these big business folks, products and services, they're just passing it along. We pay it in the end. And these... Yeah. um Taxes are eventually um, going to combine with inflation to be really, really hostile. Inflation is bad enough as it is. 
but when you start to add all these extra taxes or extra fees or whatever you want to call it along with it, uh, you're having trouble. Believe it or not, in California right now in restaurants, they're literally creating extra fees called inflation fees that are added to your receipt when you go out to dinner now. Did you know that? Okay, this is happening and this is real. It's not made up. It's real. Okay, so yeah. inflation is the core of the problem. Uh, and uh, inflationary numbers are easily manipulated to where you don't see the truth, Chris. You don't. And inflation is one of the most insidious taxes, and it is a tax. You know, let's let's get that uh, cleared up right here and now, Sam. Inflation is a tax. Um, I talk about Okay, let me. I, I I really did a lot of research. Well, I mean, I've I've been doing research all my life about inflation, and I would like to clear up some misperceptions. The thing that you need to know about it, Sam, is that um, we had more inflation this last year than Americans had during the entire 19th century, a 100-year period. Believe it or not, in the 19th century, and they have people that do this research, they determined that we had 7% inflation. This last year, inflation. In that uh, 2022, average 7.1%. So we had more inflation in one year than we had in the entire 100 years of the 19th century. Inflation is the direct result of the Federal Reserve's corrupt Keynesian economic theory of fiat money. It is the theft. It is theft, pure and simple, and the most insidious form thereof. We had magnificent growth of the U.S. economy during the 19th century with statistically zero annual inflation, Sam. We could have similar growth with zero inflation today if we were to go, go back to a gold and silver-backed system that made us the most wealthy nation in the history of this planet. But the people simply refuse to see what they're, um, they are doing to themselves. And I say doing to themselves because we live in a republic. And uh, I don't want to go too far off on that tangent, but in a republic, when things go bad, unless you're voting for a third party nowadays, Sam, you have nobody but yourself to blame for what happens. Amen to that. Voting. At the same time, though, the propaganda is pretty enticing is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Without understanding the founding era of our country, without understanding the historical context, without having the truth uh, on fundamental principles... Uh, the American people are responsible, I agree, but at the same time, the propaganda is overwhelming. Of course, unless you're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. 
Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson. We will continue on the thread that we uh, ended on last period. So we we talk about 7.1% annual inflation, and that's bad. Obviously, it is. But the way they measure it is extremely manipulative. We've talked about this in the past, Sam. Uh, the real measure of inflation should be the same uh, means by which we measured it in the 1980s. And Tom Ozemek of the Epoch Times uh, applies this uh, approach to inflation, and he has determined that we do not have 7.1% inflation for this last year, 2022. We actually have closer to 15.2% inflation. If you do it honestly, like the way we used to do it in this country in the 1980s, more specifically. So I think that's a little high, Sam. I think it's somewhere between 7.1 and 15.2, but that's just my. I think it's uh, higher than both of you are saying, and I'll prove it to you. In 20 years, my house went up four times, Chris. Okay, good point. That's a that's a great point. Mine did too. Four hundred percent, my friend. Yeah. Divide that by 20 years. What do you get? Hold on. Divide that by 20 years. Okay. What do you get? Four times. Um, so 400 percent divided by 20 years, right? Divided by 20 years, yeah. Yeah. On, 400 divided by 20. <laughs> I'm doing it, Sam. I'm not a mathematician. 20. 400. Right? You could probably do 20, that 20, yeah. Two I times two is four at two zeros. So. Oh, my calculator's not working. Yeah. So, so it's 20%. 20% a year, my friend. And that's what yeah, a commodity that's kind like of a the bubble. most. But it's, I don't care. It's the most expensive. Bill, you have yes. is your house. It is. So it yes, is. that's well, a bubble, but you translate that to anything else, and you go, okay, well, what, you know, where do we go with that, right? Yes. No, it's you're the right. most expensive item, right. even though it's a bubble. And it, whether it's a bubble or not, somebody has to have a place to live. Remember, the four fundamentals are food and water, clothing, shelter, and fuel. Without those things, you're dead. Okay. So uh, this is one of the four fundamentals that's being strict. Uh, uh, that's taking the hit for this. So bubble or not, for the next guy wanting to buy a house, it's a reality, right? You can't get yeah. one. Unless yep. <laughs> your paycheck went up 20 times. Uh, I, I'm sorry, 400 times to, you know, in the last which it, 20 years. Which, it which did mine not. didn't even come close. No, sir. 
And what people need to realize is this is a form of theft. I mean, if somebody broke into your house and stole 20% of your goods in your house, your jewelry, your computer, your TV, whatever's worth, you know, taken off, you'd be outraged. But the government does it every year. Well, it's not the government. It's the Federal Reserve System, which is not actually part of the government. We've talked about this in the past. But the Federal Reserve System does it every year, and we worship them. We act as if they're doing everything they can to reduce inflation. No, they're doing everything they can to make sure that they have at least 2%, and in last year's case, 7.1%, or 15 or 20 well, whoever's number you want to use. It is theft. It is criminal. It is wrong. It should be prosecuted. Congress, Kevin McCarthy, instead of talking about clearing Donald Trump's record, which his record is actually worse than what he's uh, suggesting it is, that he should be working on pressuring the Justice Department to prosecute the Federal Reserve System for theft over the last 109 years, Sam. But and he know he's not that dumb. He knows what's going on. Donald Trump was certainly a money man. He should have figured it out. Anyway, it it makes me mad because it is clear theft. Under no uncertain terms can you not justify it as being theft. But we we think it's normal. And I've just proven in in the 19th century we had effectively seven percent inflation from the beginning to the end of that century. That's less than, that's 0.7%. No. All right, I got a math problem for you. A Big Mac came out in 1967, the year you and I were born. Did you know that? I knew that because I listened to Liberty Roundtable Live every day, Sam. Yeah, and how much did a Big Mac cost in 1967? It caught, well, I know because you told me over the the air. In fact, I went out and bought one that night for four bucks. (laughs) It was. 40, you said, was it 40 cents, 39 cents? 40 45 cents? cents, my friend. 45. Okay. I guess my memory's not that good. But All right. So, yeah. um, so 1967, 45 cents. Now a Big Mac costs over four bucks. The average cost in America is $3.99 right now. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes to you, how much inflation is that over the last 55 years, buddy? Okay. I, I can even it's do that. It's certainly not 20 times. I'll tell you that. Right, four point zero zero divided by. In my mind, if I take fifty anyway. cents and times it by ten, it'd be five bucks. So it's not even ten times. But here's the point that I'm driving at with this comment: because yeah. they've been able to distribute food and create food faster, cheaper, better, um, simpler distribution, it, that costs less. The Big Mac costs less, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm saying. I don't think, I mean, obviously the Big Mac didn't go up as much as. Uh, so I can eat in my homeless houses. tent, and I'm doing fine. Don't worry about a thing, then, Chris. We're good. Well, I, <laughs> well, I can eat anyway, and that's another point we, we should make. Joel Skousen encourages us to to stock up while we still can, and that's one way to beat inflation. And I we talked about this before, so I won't beat a dead horse any more than we have already had. But yeah. Stock up now while the food is not as expensive as it will be tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now. Yeah, and your that's point the only, is the only real long-term solution, ladies and gentlemen, is to start building facilities and start stockpiling everything you use. This affects, effectively eliminates your need for money in the future. It takes time to get this done, so you can't dally around and waste time, ladies and gentlemen. But these supplies are available now. And if you go ahead and put your money in 
um, um, facilities or products or good, you know, things that you can use in stockpiles and everything, it's way better than to have them in the uh, paper markets when things fall rapidly and the value melts down. So this is the time to do your best to get the things that you need, a long-term storable food. You got to get beans, bullets, and Band-Aids. Uh, you got to get, you know, equipment like snow shovels if you live in the winter, for example. Yet you got to have the supplies that you'll need uh, to take care of your family, right? It's not only food and supplies and commodities uh, in that sense, consumables, uh, but it's things that you can use to protect yourselves and your families, okay? It, it, it's extra equipment that you might need uh, in a pinch. It's, uh, for example, if you have a well, hey, setting your well up so that you can pump that thing by hand if there's no electricity becomes very important, for instance. That yep. kind of backing into the discussion provides solutions. And understand, my fellow Americans, this is Solutions Radio. So we don't bring up problems to you without having answers. Because what I don't like is when somebody complains and riots and has a fit about something, and, and then you go, well, what do you suggest? And they're like, well, I don't know. I never thought about that part. Okay, well, then you don't have any real, uh, in my opinion, right or room to complain. Okay, you've got to run things to ground. You've got to be a truth teller all the way through to solutions. What's my answer for this criminal governor in Illinois? Fire that sucker. That's the answer. What's the answer yeah. when it comes to uh, inflation? Putting yourself up. in a position to need less money. Write that down. Yeah. Put yourself in a position to require less money. Because I don't care about an inflation on my shovel to take care of the snow if I got a good snow shovel. I don't care what money costs. That thing's going to be just as valuable any time to remove snow, right? Okay, same with food, same with etc. Medical supplies, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but y'all get the point, I hope. Chris? Yeah, and that's the thing. And this is one of the points that uh, Peter Zihan, who we just quoted, uh, made. He said food is only, only lasts a matter of a month. I disagree with that. I've got wheat, and this is interesting. I've got wheat that I inherited. And back in the day, Sam, you know, before people started to get a, started getting nervous about the future, in our future food supply, I literally inherited entire food supplies from families that didn't think that they'd ever need them. And that's just a sideline I want to make. And one of those was an, uh, a supply of wheat that I now have in my basement that I have made bread from that tastes delicious that was grown in 1969 to give you an idea of how some foodstuffs actually last decades rather than forget about months. And um, you know, I don't yeah, a lot of it has out. to do with how you take care of it. You got to be careful; it doesn't mm -hmm. get weevils. I mean, we can go on and on, but uh, uh, you're right that if you do the right things, food can last quite a long time. It's really important, though, to learn to eat what you store. So I appreciate the guy that tells me he's got you know 50 year old food storage and it's still good and stuff. But I like to use it and rotate it. And the more you know how to use what you mm -hmm. have, the better. It's one thing to say I got all this, but if you don't know how to use it, if you don't have a wheat grinder, uh, it's going to be tough. Okay, yeah. you can you and can I've, put the wheat in water and make wheat berries and uh, add that to your foods. There's things that you can do without a wheat grinder, uh, but you really need the ability to use what you have, and that's kind of the point about the supplies that Joel Skousen, WorldAffairsBrief.com, is talking about. All right, what do we want to wrap it up, Chris, with? Well, let's talk about bailouts and bail-ins, and this is something that is not unprecedented. Um, bail the FDIC insures bank deposits for individuals up to $250,000. Wow, so my, my investments are safe because I don't have any more than that in the bank. Here's the problem with that, Sam. 
Do you know what uh, the FDIC has on reserve? They have $125 billion worth of assets on reserve with which they can use to bail you and me and everybody else that has deposits in the bank out if something unseemly like a bank run would occur. Here's the problem though. If you add up everybody's reserves in this country, this is uh, the United States of America over which the FDIC resides, there are $9 trillion of bank deposits with only $125 billion worth of assets to guarantee that $9 trillion worth. That's 1.3% of the total. In other words, they're making promises that they can't possibly keep. Right. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. They're not going to be able to cover everybody's assets if even a small fraction of people decide to withdraw their funds and it creates a bank run and the banks are all out of money, which is not unprecedented. It just happened in the 1930s. You know, it's a wonderful life comes to mind, and you're going to have to handle it on the local level, community by community, yeah. and hopefully you have a George in the midst. Yeah, one of my favorite lines is, um, Mr. Potter, you never miss a trick. And that sounds, Mr. Potter is now our government, Sam, <laughs> and they never miss a trick. They've been planning these things. But here's the thing. Forget about the FDIC. Forget about bailouts. Let's talk about bail-ins. Do you know the difference? They're also known irreverently as haircuts, and this is not unprecedented. Well, in 2013, so that was a little less than 10 years ago, Cyprus had were, were facing potential bank runs because of economic uh, difficulties. The, the government of Cyprus literally stole $7.5 billion from bank depositors in 2013 by just basically saying we need to take some of your money to cover uh, our shortfalls and that happened in 2013 in the european country of cyprus and it can happen here in america sam and they're hinting they're hinting that joe would want to do that to your portfolio your retirement plan right now ladies and gentlemen be aware so we're flat out of time but ladies and gentlemen we want to focus on solutions and the answer is constitutional currency is the solution to the bailout bail-in inflationary fiasco chris take us home buddy yes sir without god we cannot win with god we cannot lose sam the battle for freedom is the lord's but we need to be engaged in that process lieutenant carlson and liberty loving patriots everywhere continuing our duty sir lovingliberty.net god save the republic